0: Let's turn again to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. There's a yellow sheet that may help you, including page numbers in both English and Chinese. there's a blue sheet with sermon notes in Russian. And all these are available by the hymn books on the shelves at the back. If you need them, feel free to go and get them and to help yourself to a Bible if you'd like to. There are English and Chinese Bibles available there. Isaiah 6. Isn't it hard to take in that the queen has died? So hard to take in. Through all the changes, there she was in the background, this great source of stability. And the great source of stability is gone. And we seem to have had an awful lot of instability in recent years. Brexit, I'm not commenting on whether it's good or bad, but it is unsettling. COVID, COVID. And a lockdown that we'd never had anything like that before. And then war comes to Europe. And then all summer we've been told it's going to be like a financial meltdown and it's going to be an economic disaster. And then we get a new prime minister. And two days later the Queen dies. I think we can be excused for feeling unsettled and unstable. Maybe pessimistic about the future. It was very similar for Isaiah. Very similar. I expect you'll notice the parallels as I describe this to you. Isaiah was a prophet who lived around 700 BC in a little nation called Judah. It had once been a powerful kingdom, but split apart. Now it was threatened by hostile, bigger neighbours, Israel, Syria, and Assyria. But, but... At Isaiah's time, it had a time of respite, a time when national decline could be ignored for a while because it had a good king, Uzziah, and he ruled for 52 years. He had a long, peaceful, stable reign. But now, verse 1, Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died... After 52 years of his rule and the nation feeling at peace and for a while they could put aside the threats hanging over them, it was the end of an era. The king had died. Troubles crowded in again. The future looked uncertain. What did Isaiah need at that time? What do we need in our parallel time? Three things I'm going to tell you from Isaiah 6. Here's the first, look up. This is verses 1 to 4. Isaiah needed to look up. And what did he see as he looked up? He saw that someone is on the throne. The king had died, but the throne wasn't vacant. Who was on the throne? Verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. The word Lord there means supreme ruler. Children, if you look really carefully at your Bible, you see the word Lord again in verse 3, but you might spot a difference. You'll have to look carefully. The word Lord in verse 3 is in capital letters. That tells you, behind that, in the original language, which was Hebrew, it didn't say Lord, it had the name, the personal name of God. But Jews wouldn't say it, it was too holy, so they've put here Lord in capital letters. But in verse 1, Lord, do you see there, it's in little letters, it is the word for the supreme ruler. He sees the king has died, but there is the supreme ruler still on the throne. Verse 5, Isaiah says, yes, the king may have died, but, verse 5, I have seen the king and he's the Lord Almighty. Good King Uzziah is dead. Isaiah, sorry, it's a bit muddling, isn't it? Uzziah and Isaiah. Listen carefully. Isaiah feels the loss, probably feels disorientated after 52 years. He probably had never known any other king and he needs to look up and see God is king. He still rules and he's still in control. What is this king like? Let's have a look. Verse one, he's above us. I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted. He's above us. And one of the ways we're shown how far above us he is, is something strange in this chapter. You see, it starts in verse 1 by saying, I saw the Lord, but look for a description of the Lord. And it's not there. He, He says what's around it. He says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Us down on earth, we just see like that, the hem of his garment. And then he goes on quickly in verse 2 to describe the angels. He doesn't describe God. He's beyond description. Isaiah says, I'll describe what I saw around him. And that should give you an idea of him. It makes me think of a time when I was in Zambia. And I was traveling with some locals. And they said, we've got to go and see Chief Msollum. He's chief of a big area in eastern Zambia. We've got to go and see the chief. We were travelling through a really remote area, not on a road, and eventually we got to, in the middle of the bush, a roadblock and some soldiers. And they led us through, and we got shown into a little room, and we had to sit and wait there. And you could just feel amongst the locals the nerves. And then in came the chief secretary, and everything went so solemn, so respectful. I'd been on safari, and I was in my shorts, and I wished I wasn't. It didn't really feel the right thing because they were clearly in awe of this man. And the chief secretary said to us, I'm sorry, but the chief can't see you. And I felt half disappointment and half relief because I thought, if it's like this meeting the chief secretary, what's it like meeting the chief? And that's the sort of thing we're supposed to get from Isaiah. If the angels, if the surroundings of God are like this, what would it be like to meet God himself? He is high and exalted. What else is emphasised about God? You can tell the emphasis because it's repeated. Look at verse 3. They didn't have caps lock or underline when the Bible was written, but they could repeat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. He's different. He's separate. He's unique. That's what this word holy means. Totally different, separate, unique. Was the Queen unique? Yes she was, wasn't she? She was unique in her combination of qualities and circumstances and experiences and her status. I think the people in Parliament were right who said we'll we'll never see her like again. Unique. But in another sense, well, in another sense, no, you could find other people who gave themselves. You could find other people who are public servants, who are self-effacing, who are long-lived, who are widely experienced, but the Queen was more so. The Queen was more so than any other example you could find, probably. God isn't just more so than anyone else. He's not just, you know, you can find people who are loving and God is more so. You can find people who are powerful and God is more so. He's not just more so, he's unique i just try to give you one example. Let's take the mind of an author, J.K. Rowling. Now, what an imagination she must have to think up Hogwarts and the night bus and Quidditch. But everything, but it's not just God has got a bigger mind than the most imaginative person you could think of. Everything that J.K. Rowling thought of, she got from somewhere it? She didn't just make it up out of nothing. She thought about other games and then added broomsticks and magic and a few other things. God thought of the sun and gravity and all the colors and armadillos and music. And he didn't get it from anywhere. He didn't copy anything. You see, he's not like us, but more so. He's not like our minds, but bigger. He's not like our imagination, but wider. He is unique. He is holy. And so, verse 3 says, the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. Have you thought of this? The whole of the UK is full of, we could call it the glory of Queen Elizabeth II. Have you thought of all the things that we take for granted that will now eventually have to change? You don't use money much these days, but when you do, there's her face. You might not post letters much these days, but when you do, there's her face on the stamp. Put it in the post box and there it says, E2R on the post box. Go into town and there on the courthouse is her crest. Then go into Tesco and there on the ketchup bottles and the cereal boxes is her crest go into a village and there might be a bench or a bandstand that says it's marking one of her many jubilees. In a sense, her glory fills the UK, but that's just a little island. Verse 3, the whole earth is full of the Lord's glory. You could stand on Everest and see peak after mountain peak and dive down into the Philippine Trench and travel up the Amazon And everywhere you go, you would be surrounded by his handiwork, a display of the creator. We're surrounded by a display of the creator here in this room. It's full of people made in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, why am I telling you this? It is good and right that the queen is getting honor. Most of us would think it was wrong if she wasn't. But how much more should our attention be on this God and he be praised? Uh, More specifically, Jesus, the Son of God, should be praised. Because when you get into the New Testament, to John's Gospel, it tells you this was the Son of God whom Isaiah saw. And he should be praised. Does that resonate with you? We need to look up and focus on him again. Now, what did this mean for Isaiah? Here he was, the king had died, everything was unsettled. It was a disorientating time. What did it mean for Isaiah? It meant reassurance. In that unstable time, God ruled. But it didn't mean everything's going to go well. Have a look at verse 11. Did it strike you as it was read to us? It was a. It, it's a difficult passage. Isaiah is told the cities are going to lie ruined and without inhabitant. The houses are going to be left deserted. The fields are going to be ruined and ravaged. Isaiah as a nation, sorry, Isaiah's nation is facing its worst future. My message this morning isn't everything's going to be fine. Maybe it will for the UK, maybe it won't. I don't know, you don't know, no one except God knows. And the Bible doesn't promise. But Isaiah was shown behind the troubles wasn't a vacant throne, wasn't God had lost control. Behind the troubles was God keeping his word. You see, God had said to Isaiah's nation, if they kept rejecting him, he would bring trouble. Now, we've got to be careful how we apply this. God has not said to us, People who suffer have brought it on themselves. He has not said that. God has not said to us, the queen dying is some sort of punishment on a wicked nation. He has not said that. But he has said, if we keep rejecting him, he will punish. Sometimes in this life, always after death. That is one of the most consistent messages of the Bible. If you don't like the idea of God punishing sin, you don't like the God the Bible describes. Because it says he does and he will. He doesn't overlook our rebellion. Isaiah is being shown God behind the troubles. He's also being shown God beyond the troubles. The book of Isaiah has two main messages. It's a wonderful book. I hope you either know it or will get to know it. And it has two main messages. One is God sending trouble to punish sin. And the other is beyond that, God sending a king to rescue from sin. And that king will turn out to be no less than his son. Isaiah must look up. But next, he and we must look in. This is verses 5 to 7. Now, Isaiah was very conscious of the nation's problems, but he had to remember the problems weren't all out there. There's a problem he must be aware of in here. We, as we watch the news feed about the Queen, and as we hear the worries about the UK, we mustn't get too absorbed with them. We must remember the problems aren't all out there. The problems are also in here. What is the biggest problem you and I face? It's not the death of a queen. It's not a cost of living crisis. It's not the environment. It's not even war in Ukraine. It's forgiveness for sin. That's the biggest thing you and I face and need for forgiveness of sin. Now, does that resonate with you? Maybe not at all. You maybe you think, yeah, what a load of religious talk. Forgiveness for sin. That's nowhere on your priorities. You rank that above. War in Ukraine and the environmental problems, you've really lost the plot, maybe you think. And maybe it just seems totally unreal to you. Why is that? Because you're not seeing who God is. He doesn't matter to you. And that all changed for Isaiah as he saw God. As he saw God, it lifted him up and gave him reassurance, but it crushed him down and gave him a sense of sin. See verse 5. Verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Why does he have that reaction? Well, there are two things here in the vision that would give him that reaction. One is he's seen God's holiness. That's the big emphasis, verse 3. Holy, holy, holy. He's seen God is unique and separate and pure. When he sees that, and then he sees himself in comparison. Well, that makes all the difference. I'll try to illustrate this to you. An illustration I got from some people actually at Hollywell. There was a couple told me they were one Christmas driving to see some people. And on their way, they passed by a field of sheep. And it was a muddy field. And they said to each other, oh, how clean and bright the sheep look in that muddy field. You can guess what's coming, can't you? While they were away, it snowed. And on their way back, they drove past the same field with the same sheep. And they commented to each other, wow, how dirty And unclean, those sheep look in that field. I don't think the sheep had changed. They hadn't turned into pigs and rolled around in the mud. But against the snow, oh, how different they looked. We compare ourselves with others, and maybe we pick who to compare ourselves with to make us look better. But they are not the standard. God is the standard. Of course, he's the maker. And if you see what he is like, you will feel your sin. And there's something else that gets to Isaiah. What does he say in verse 5? He's seen. That gets to him. I've seen the king. And that makes all the difference. I've seen the king. Children, imagine you're walking through the school playground and someone says to you, carry these books for me. And you say, no. No, I'm not going to do that. Now, does that matter? If it's, if it's just another child from your class, well, that's a bit rude, although it's a bit rude for them to ask you. But it doesn't really matter, does it? If it's the school head, and you say, no, no, I'm not doing that, well, that's a different matter. Because the head's in charge. If not, what, if not doing what the Bible says is, is just you're not keeping up a religion fully, well, you can shrug that off. But since God is the king, that's a different matter. Seeing who God is means seeing who we are. Sinners. But Isaiah is not left looking crushed. Not left crushed, I mean. He's not left crushed. He's not left looking in. Anyone? Is there anyone here who's stuck looking inside? The answers are not within. Contrary to pop culture and the films, the answers are not in us. That's just a recipe for getting stuck if you keep looking inside. I, I was hesitant about putting on the notice sheet this point as look in. Because actually, if you stayed looking in, you'll be in big trouble. The solution is not inside yourself. The solution in verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Really bizarre. What on earth is going on? Well, what was the altar? It was the place of sacrifice. It was the place where animals died in in the place of sinners who deserved to die. Not that an animal dying can do anything for you. It was all a pointer forward. It was all a picture to the man who was going to come who could die in our place because he was both God and man. Jesus, as sacrifice, who offered himself. What was the connection? How did what happened on the altar get connected to Isaiah? Children, have you seen what happens in in verse 7? And then think about what it's like. And do not copy it at home. He has a burning coal pressed against his lips. You don't want to copy this. I don't really know what actually happened there because of course that would scar you for life and leave Isaiah unable to speak and his job is going to be a speaker. But surely it's telling us this. The altar, the sacrifice being applied to him, it's got to be applied to him. You can't just look at it. It's got to be applied to him. And there's something painful about it being applied to him. Children, I think what's going on here is it's telling you and me it's no good just knowing about Jesus. It's no good just knowing that he was the sacrifice. You've got to admit your need you've got to you've got to say, "I can't make up for all I've done wrong. I need the Son of God to have died for me, and that can be painful to admit i'm that bad, yes. Admitting it can be painful, but have you done so? Have you admitted, I need, I need the Son of God Himself to have died in my place. My sin is that bad and I can't put it right. When a monarch dies, we must look up. We must look in. But don't keep looking in. Look back to Jesus on the cross. And then lastly, look out. I don't mean like, look out, there's big trouble. I mean, look outwards. This is verse 8. Verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Now, it feels like everything came to a grinding halt on Thursday evening. And we could just spend our time looking back. And I don't know about you, but I rather like all those old films of the Queen. My favourite one is that famous speech in South Africa, the life of service. Doesn't that make a lump come in your throat? And we could just spend our time looking back. And the news could easily put it, push everything else out of our minds. And some things can come to a stop. The football, that can come to a stop for a weekend because it's relatively unimportant. Doesn't matter. It can stop for the weekend. But the work of the gospel of Jesus cannot stop. Even for the death of the queen, that cannot stop. Fellow Christians, there's still work for the Lord for us to do. That must not come to a grinding halt. So look what happens to Isaiah. Can you trace through the pattern in verses one to eight? First, he sees who God is. Second, he has a great sense of sin. Third, he knows forgiveness. Fourth, he hears God's voice. He doesn't hear God's voice until he's got that sense of forgiveness. And then he responds, send me, use me. That should be the pattern for us. I'll go through it again because we must be clear. It should, This should be the pattern for us, a sense of who God is. We'll get nowhere without that, a sense of who God is. So we see our need of forgiveness. Then we need that reassurance, there's been a sacrifice for me. And then we must listen to God. What does he have to say to me? And then, and then do you have this response, here am I, send me, use me, I want to serve. Do you notice what Isaiah didn't say? Notice what he did not say. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, well, what's the job? What is it? And then I said, does it fit my gifting? I've got these great gifts in this area. Is it in line with them? Then I said, will it be fulfilling? I uh, want a fulfilled life. Then I said, will it be convenient? Then I said, does it clash with my favourite TV programme? If it's at that time, I'm not doing it. He didn't say any of those. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? He just said, without even asking, send me, use me. I'm not. I'll, I'll try to illustrate why. I have a brother-in-law who has an aunt who had a job writing letters for someone. Now, why am I telling you that? That's pretty convoluted, isn't it? A brother-in-law, his aunt. That's not a close relationship. I've only met her once. I can't even remember her name. Writing letters for someone, that's not impressive, is it? What sort of job is that, writing letters for someone? Until you hear this, you might guess. She wrote letters for the queen. That was her job. Now that makes all the difference, doesn't it? That it's the queen she was writing letters for. Isaiah doesn't know what the job is. He doesn't know what's involved. But he does know this. It is for God the king. And so he is eager. Here am I, send me. Christian brothers and sisters, are you eager? Whatever it is, God, I want to serve you. Use me. Send me. Queen has died. What do we need? To look up. God is on the throne. To look in. Be realistic about ourselves. But don't get stuck there. No, look back to the cross and remember forgiveness. And then it's not just to make us feel happier. No, there's work to do. Look out.